0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This
1: is a Lip Media Podcast. Content discussed on this podcast may be triggering for some individuals. So if you feel like today you can't quite handle it, that's totally fine. You can press pause and come back another day. Remember, we're always going to be here. And if you need immediate help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. People, welcome to If You Don't Mind. I am your host, Madeline Charrington. Welcome to episode six. I can't believe I've got this far. No, seriously, I'm very kind of stoked with myself, to be honest. Um, And you know what? I think it's important to be stoked with yourself sometimes because life can be hard. For example, the Liberals one. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely not right wing and I'm in case anyone didn't realize that. Um, but yeah, what a fucking downer. Hey, and then there's the whole game of Thrones thing. I could go on about that for hours, but you know what? It's fine. It's all good. We're going to, we're going to get through it. We're going to be okay. I must say lately I have just been exhausted. I think you know that, that saying um, burning the candle at both ends. I've been doing that. I've not been practicing good self care so freaking naughty me so i guess yeah please please if you're not practicing self-care please do so it's so important i don't know why i'm not doing it at the moment i'm just so busy and i just want to please everybody which is again just don't do it <laughs> okay so after that great little um rant. I will get on with the show. Uh today's episode is a really interesting one, guys. I think you're going to like it because it's a little bit different to what you're used to hearing. Now today's uh guest has preferred to stay uh, anonymous. So for the purpose of this uh episode, we're just going to refer to them as C. So C is an international student uh from Indonesia and This episode's really interesting because I think a lot of the time Australians take for granted just how easy it is to access healthcare. Uh, Granted, our mental healthcare system isn't amazing and fabulous and has a lot of things to be fixed. However, uh, if you're a university student, it is pretty accessible. But if you're an international student, there's actually so many more uh, barriers uh, to actually accessing that care. And if you've come from another country and you're experiencing a mental health condition or a uh, disorder, treatment is really important. C also talks quite openly about their experiences as, as coming out as queer and how that's kind of intersected with their own mental health journey, which I think is very interesting. Uh, but overall they're, they're lovely. They're very bright and bubbly, very, very lovely to listen to also i'm so sorry but the clicky noise came back but i figured it out i figured out what what's happened and where it is but it's just for like one minute in the first like two minutes of the of the actual episode so like just bear with it just one minute and you're done seriously won't happen again but you know i'm learning i'm learning and technology is hard uh so i guess let's get started everybody this is this is episode six of if You Don't Mind, with the lovely C. Um, can you hear yourself okay? Yep, loud and clear. Amazing. Okay, cool. Hey, C. Hi.
0: Um, welcome to If You Don't Mind. How are you going today? Um, I'm actually a bit nervous because the thing is, I just did a panel for International Day Against Homophobia and Transphobia on Friday. Mm-hmm. It was like a online Instagram takeover kind of deal. I was still nervous from that. <gasps> and then I have to and then like having to come here, I'm still like a bit nervous to be honest. Oh, that's okay. Yeah.
1: It's very, it's very nerve-wracking to like sit in a small room with a microphone for the first time and just like talk about yourself. Mm. It's very confronting. I, I I think a lot of people when they first get here, they're just like, what do I say? I'm gonna sound stupid, but you don't sound stupid. You're gonna yeah. sound great. My first question for you today, um so You grew up in Indonesia.
0: Yep. So when did you move to Australia? Uh, I would say somewhere in between like October 2015. So this year would have been like my fourth year in here. Oh, wow. And I've... I'm kind of like pondering about like whether I still want to stay here or not. That's fair. I mean, we did just have the uh, <laughs> federal elections.
1: So. Yeah. I don't even know if I want to stay here. Um, And so why did you move over? Was it for study?
0: It's primarily for study. And it's kind of like a weird story, to be honest. Uh, no, I think I was kind of like on defense about where am I going to study? Because then again, like my family members kind of want me to go to Singapore, primarily because like, oh, it's closer distance wise if you travel by plane from like the city where i live in but the thing is like when i check for singapore it's like yeah they're pretty good but then like the universities they don't have the ones like sort of suit the field that i want to pursue so they were more it was more
1: relevant to what you kind of wanted to do with your future yeah exactly and so in indonesia what is the kind of so how, how do people react to mental illness there
0: Well, from my understanding, it's kind of usually like if people hear about like mental illness, they would associate it with, oh, can you just be more grateful? Or like, can you just like pray it away? Or it's all in your head. But they did an investigation of kind of like mental health wards in some hospitals in Indonesia. It's like for people with more severe cases of mental illness, it's like they don't receive adequate help and some of the patients were shackled. (gasps) Shackled. Yeah, what the fuck? I know, that's why it's a bit like, it's a bit shocking. Yes, that's very shocking. It's usually a case where like, some hospitals, especially for like, the mental health units are pretty underfunded, I guess. And then also, like, if you go into some areas, there's still the, there's still this assumption that, oh, if you have a mental illness, it's seen as a curse or kind of like, you're possessed by demons. Really? That's still a thing? Yep, unfortunately. Oh my god. So yeah, I guess, yeah, super
1: ignorant Western person over here. I, I just didn't think that was still like uh, a thing that people kind of went to. Like, I, I know, I know about like the whole like praying it away and like you should be thankful, but I just didn't know that, especially in a country like Indonesia, that it would still be connected to being
0: possessed. That's blowing my mind. Yeah, I think that's, although it's not really like, uh, I'm not making, like, a generalization, I would say. It's, uh, I would say it's from, like, depending on, like, where Indonesia you're looking at, I guess. Mm -hmm. And in some areas, they might still see it as, like, yep, mental illness is, like, if you have a mental illness, you're possessed by demons. When you,
1: sorry, drink your water.
0: (laughs) Have a break. (laughs)
1: Yes, it's like thirsty work, hey. Mm. So I guess when you kind of started to realize that you were having some significant mental health issues, who did you first go and speak to? Who's the first person you went to and said, I think maybe I'm in trouble here, or I've got some things that I'm dealing with and I'm not sure what to do about it?
0: I think the first person that I spoke to was my counselor on campus, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, um I don't... Okay, just to kind of like clarify here, I don't live alone at the moment. I have an older sister. Okay. Yeah. And at the time when I was trying to, when I was like during my first months of seeking help from a counselor on campus, I actually didn't tell my sister straight away. Hmm. It took me some time to kind of like get around the idea that, oh, it's completely fine to seek professional help. And that's kind of uh, prompted me into telling my sister about it. And what was her reaction? She wasn't really phased about it, from what I remember. She just kind of sees like, oh, it's not really that big of a deal if you need to seek help, mm. I
1: guess. So, like, when you were seeing a counselor, what did they want you to do? So, what was you, how did you kind of go from there in your mental health journey?
0: My counselor mentioned about like it's good for your sister to know about like you're currently seeking help mm-hmm. that kind of stuff but the thing is like my sister actually wasn't heavily involved in my mental health journey back then she was she's starting to get like pretty involved somewhere last year i guess mm-hmm. and that was like a pretty big year for me where yeah. she was being like somewhat active in the sense that uh one like my new counselor or social worker, she at one point recommended like, oh, you, you live with your sister, right? Um, you know, you can actually bring her to your appointments in the future. Oh, wow. Did you do that? I did. I actually brought my sister to like some of my appointments, mostly if say uh, when I was going through like my mental health plan. And then I think for one of my future appointments, I will have to bring her because then again, like somewhere in the future, I'm planning to be discharged from my uh current mental health center and might be moving to another one. Oh okay. And so as an international
1: student, how hard was it to actually get access to proper mental health care in Australia?
0: Is it is it difficult? For me it was a bit difficult, especially like if you're also queer, it's kind of like, sure, um I do have the information about like which groups I can talk to in Queer Collective. But the thing is there are some groups that I can't access. Like say for instance Headspace. Some might, uh, like, I've come across, like, recommendations saying that, oh, you should definitely check out Headspace, because, like, they're pretty good with, like, for, like, queer mental health. But then again, no one told me about, oh, I can't access that for some weird reason. No, that's so weird. Because yeah.
1: Headspace is a really good, is a really good outlet, um, and organization, but you couldn't, was it just to do, I guess, only, um, residents or permanent residents could,
0: could access it? As far as I know, it's like, I don't know about permanent residents, but, I think citizens definitely. Mm-hmm. I don't know about permanent residents. Okay. So that was like um, a major stumbling block there when I was uh, when I was first moved to like my new mental health center, the one like I'm still with at as of like this episode. Uh, we were trying to look into like the different mental health centers that we can go into if, mm-hmm. say, like I was planning to be discharged. Okay. Uh, I I think I had to mention to them about like, oh, I can't access Headspace, and they mm-hmm. were shocked as to wait, why is that case? I'm like. Uh, well, apparently, like, for international students, I can't access that. Oh, that's so frustrating.
1: Okay. But there were still things out there that you could access. Mm. And you,
0: what year was it that you started seeing a psychiatrist? It was 2017? No, mid-2017 was the year where I was supposed to see one. Right. But at the time, like, my, uh, my counselor back then didn't see it as something that's pretty urgent, I suppose. Right. And what was that like when,
1: when someone's telling you that they don't see your case as super urgent, but you are obviously really struggling, what's that feel like?
0: I think it was, uh, it was pretty frustrating given that I, I've been seeing this counselor on campus for like a couple of months, almost a year. Mm. And then like I, at one point I was going to race to her about like, should I see a psychiatrist on campus? And then when I was talking to her about it, I think she mentioned about, well, you can actually see one, but for your instance, it's not really um, like not really urgent. Like it's not really a pressing issue, I guess. Really, is that what she said? I think it was something along the lines of that, which made me a bit, which made me more anxious. Yeah, definitely. The thing is, like, I I really don't know what was going on in my mind at the time. I remember one of the reasons why I went to see a psychiatrist that I assumed, oh. If I were to see a, if I were to see one, at least I can get an actual diagnosis and then hopefully I can get my answer resolved. Turns out wrong. And so getting a diagnosis for you was important. You wanted
1: to kind of have like a, an, an answer to those symptoms so that you could just get help from
0: there? Something along the lines of that, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, what was going on in my mind was, oh, if I were to see a psychiatrist, at least I can get some kind of like a definitive answer and then like i kind of like if you're trying to i don't know if you're trying to read a book getting a diagnosis for me meant was like oh it's kind of like you unlock the the definitive ending of a book or a video game yes and then or say like if you're watching if you're reading a book and then you're just kind of like oh come on like screw it i just want to go into the damn ending please (laughs) you were just like tell me the answer (laughs) yeah that That is, that's pretty much me when I was like, I really want to know what is it exactly.
1: Yeah. And I guess it's super frustrating when you're talking to someone for quite some time and they're not taking it seriously and you don't have a diagnosis and you just kind of feel like you're in limbo. Is that kind of what it was like for you?
0: It felt like not only it was a limbo, but then there was also another, uh, there was also like another roadblock that I saw in accessing a help from a psychiatrist. The thing with like the psychiatrist on campus, it's from my understanding, it's like they're not full-time psychiatrists. They're part-time. And then also apparently there's a waiting list in which you get to wait for like a couple of months to squeeze in and get your name there. Hmm. But then again, like that was my biggest fear. It's along the lines of, Okay, what if my condition gets worse? Yes. I need an answer ASAP. Yeah. And then the second issue being like, if you're an international student, again, uh, you still have to pay for like the private health insurance. Mm. And then you still have to figure out, you still have to think about like the cost of accessing the, like the whole services. Is this going to be covered by my insurance or do I have to pay extra? And also like, if say I need to extend my, let's say if I need to extend my health insurance and also I need to extend my student visa, To continue my studies, am I still gonna get covered by said insurance? I suppose Mm. those questions kind of like led me to a sudden clarity as to, Oh, this could be one of the potential barriers as to why some international students like myself, it's difficult accessing like mental health services. Mm. It's not just like having to battle with the stigma from your community and also the internalized stigma, but there's also like the healthcare costs as well, which for some reason, Kind of gets overlooked in the discourse about like international students' issues surrounding mental health. Yes, I think that's that's exactly
1: it's such a well phrased point. In that most of the time, it's kind of looking at that internalized stigma and that stigma from where you've you've come from. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I just assumed that if you're a student at a university, you can access care in the same way that everybody else can. But the fact that it's so it's so much more difficult. That would be so like um what's the word it it would just be so demoralizing for you and it would just like make you feel like your whole journey is that much more intense and that much more you know difficult than the average person
0: mm. I like throughout my mental health journey I kind of see it as like I don't know if you were to play a video game and like if I were to describe my mental health journey. Do you like video games? You keep using that yes. example. <laughs> I keep using like video games or kind of like computer references or like That's book fine. references. I love it. Yeah. I don't know. I have this like weird inkling of like no, using no, said references. C- go
1: nerds. I love it.
0: Yes. All hail nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I kind of like describe it in a way. Um, like everyone's like mental health journey. It's kind of like they have their own different paths in like a video game, I suppose. And for some people, they kind of like don't see, uh, like for some characters, they have like extra roadblocks. Like for me, <laughs> it's kind of like whenever, if I were to tell, uh, if I were to explain my story to someone who's like, who's a domestic student, and they're not from like the same cultural background as I am, they'd probably be surprised as to, wait, you still have, you still have to go through fight like, ward off extra demons called like internalized stigma. And then you still have to fight this huge monster called like community stigma. That's a thing. Oh, my God. I love this. I love this <laughs> example. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of like absurd as well. Even uh, the thing when I describe like uh, my mental health journey and also the obstacles as monsters. If I were to explain to like my immediate family members, I guess, if I were to explain to my sister, she can understand to some degree because she has, I reckon she has, like, a bit of uh, knowledge surrounding mental health. But the thing with my parents, it's almost like you're trying to explain to someone the existence of ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. That's, and they're like, it doesn't it. exist. Why are you talking to me about this? It's <laughs> it's as difficult explaining to someone that ghosts exist. Oh, my God. That's tough. That's how I would kind of, like, describe that is, it. That is tough.
1: That is super tough. And so what was your first experience when you actually got to see a psychiatrist?
0: What was that like the first time around? I would say it was, I think it was terrifying, to be honest, because Mm. at the time, when I saw my first psychiatrist, I actually didn't go to the one near my university. I had to be referred to a hospital that's near uni. And that in itself, it was like a bit frustrating. And then also, I would say it's also upsetting to some degree, because then again, I started seeing a psychiatrist for the first time in 2018. And... At the time, like, my mind was already occupied with, like, a lot of stuff. Apart from, like, the full-time degree, I was also, like, I was also, like, a member of the SRC. Oh, okay. So you're doing, like, student, um, leadership and
1: representative stuff.
0: Yeah. I was doing kind of, like, the student council stuff and, like, the campus SRC. I had to juggle that one. Wow. And it was, I don't know. It felt like there was a lot of my plate to handle. And then the thought of, like, having to see a psychiatrist, I started doubting about, oh, whether if I get a diagnosis? Am I going to finally have some peace? It turns out, no. No? No, it only kind of like, I don't know, once I got my diagnosis, it just kind of... I think it just opened like another pathway where... Right, like a Pandora's box kind of endless, thing. I guess.
1: Right, okay. And so when you got a diagnosis, did they talk to you about medication
0: and treatment and that kind of stuff? They what? only spoke about stuff about medication, I guess. I only remember the conversation is like, so what are your thoughts on like, uh, starting medication? Would you be okay about it? I remember being like, I was still pretty on the fence about it, I suppose, again, with like the internalized stigma. And then also having to deal with the, the fact that like, oh, I have to be on medication, just give me like, more questions as to mm. what am I supposed to like what are some of these side effects I need to take into account oh
1: yes and then so also about
0: like is it going to be addictive I guess because when I when I told like some of my close friends about like my mental health journey they actually were a bit hesitant when I mentioned about like antidepressants their first question was like oh you know do you have to be on them for like the rest of your life kind of deal or like, Are you going to get hooked on them? I guess. Kind of like. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's why, um, and the people that I talked to about these ones, um, they're actually kind of like my somewhat close friends from high school, that kind of deal. I had to give them like the full story all about like, not just the whole medication thing, also about the fact that like I was seeking help and then also about like my queerness. I had to tell them everything in one. I think in one sitting, I guess. Wow, what was that like? Was it scary? It was like, uh, I think it was. Uh, okay, I'll be honest here, because like I, I told like two people. One of them actually already knew about like my queerness because I already came out to her first. Okay, <laughs> yeah, she was the very first person that I came out as well. So I came out to her before my sister. Wow. So if my sister was listening to this. Yeah, sorry, you were not the first person, <laughs> first family member. However,
1: <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I'm sure she doesn't mind,
0: she'll be, yeah. okay. wow, oh dear, but she does know about the podcast. It's <laughs>
1: all right, don't worry, it's all good.
0: Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I was like, well, I did say I was gonna record a podcast,
1: <laughs> she'll listen to it, she'll be like, God. Damn it. How could she? <laughs> She'd be like, "How dare you!" I thought I was the first person to know. <laughs> um I love that. Okay, and so what? So, did you go on medication? Did you actually take that dive? Because it's quite scary when you first give it a go. I
0: actually, I did for like the first week, but the side effects were like pretty unbearable. Ugh. I, mm. I remember uh, when the time I was like on the medication, I wasn't even past like one week on said meds. It was like, it gave me like a horrible, I don't know, I think horrible nausea and also I remember I was in the middle of a test. I had like a panic attack because they like, because I think a lot of people don't know
1: this is when you first start taking them, sometimes your, the symptoms of your actual illness can get like worse. Like you can get heightened anxiety and heightened depressive symptoms, Mm. which is scary.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's that was like my main issue with like my first medication, I guess. The thing is, um, what I what my psychiatrist told me was something along the lines of you need to keep like a consistent time, I guess, like mm. a time frame as to when you need to take the medication. Now, the problem here is that the time I needed to take said meds was like, I can't take them in the middle of my test. Right. OK. I had like a massive panic attack. And then I had to alert my tutor about it.
1: Oh no, that's so scary. And I think you're right. Like the symptom, sorry, the side effects of that medication or antidepressants—they're so intense in the first few weeks. I I don't blame people for just like not bothering because if you're trying to like work or go to uni and do things like to be that sick and I can't remember I had tremors. Like my hands would shake a lot when I first when I first started them, and my mouth would get really watery and things like that. So. Yeah, it, it's it's not fun. It's mm. not fun at all. Um, and so you kind of after a while, you're like, no, I'm not doing it.
0: Yeah, I think because of like, I think because the side effects were just like too unbearable and they were like hindering my studies, mm. I kind of decided to put it off the medication. Okay. And then because of that experience, I sort of noticed, look, you know what? I really don't think I really I want to go back to medication again for now.
2: No, and that's, really that's okay. why
0: I was, which explains why I was apprehensive about like, uh whenever like my second and third psychiatrist mentioned about like, would you be open to starting antidepressants again? I had to put off the question and then just end up. I think my stance was like I was vehemently against Going back to medication again, having to tell them about like, Oh, what if there are like some potential complications? If I were to bring my meds when I go back to Indonesia or say like, what if I can't get my prescription refilled? That kind of stuff. That's why I've been like putting it off for a while. Hmm. And it got to a point where I think it was like in the middle of last year. Uh, my third psychiatrist, her idea was like, she gave me a, she gave me like a script for. For like the 28 days one. Mm-hmm. And then she told me, look, if you do decide to uh, go back on medication, let me know about it. And then you can kind of like get the trial one for like 14 days and then use that, the script that she wrote. Okay. So the good news is kind of like the script doesn't have like a definitive, I think it lasts for like a year or so. Okay. In a way, it's like, uh, it's like my psychiatrist's way of saying, if you don't want to go back, if you don't want to be on medication, that's completely fine. However, the door, The door is still open for you if you do choose to come back and say yep doc i'm ready
1: (laughs) (laughs) and so you actually got a new psychiatrist this year
0: yeah and how's that been going i think it's been going pretty well i guess Mm -hmm. i was actually a bit i know i was a bit surprised when i found that i had to see a new psychiatrist because the previous one this was the third psychiatrist who gave me the script i think like she was moved to a different area that kind of deal. I didn't find out about it until when I returned home for summer break. And then I told like one of the mental health workers about like, oh, when do I need to see like my psychiatrist? And they notified me. Well, the thing is like your psychiatrist isn't working here anymore. You're oh. going to have to see a new one. See, that's, that's a bit crappy because I guess with
1: continuity of care, it's important to see the same person you know consecutively and to have all that all those changes but you don't even have the ability to kind of have control over that change like that must have been super frustrating
0: uh it felt like i really can't control it's just like beyond it's beyond my control and then my initial response is like i was torn between like oh it doesn't really surprise me given that like i really don't know how to word it out it's okay I think, you know, on one hand, it doesn't really surprise me as to like, oh, it's completely fine. I guess like having, uh, if say like a mental health center, they're trying to kind of like, oh, if there's like, uh, new staff members like coming in or say if you're, if you're a mental health worker, like, oh, they have to be moved to somewhere else or say mm. like, uh, if they're not working there anymore, I, on one hand, I was kind of like, I acknowledged that fact. You understood like, it. Yeah. yeah. But then on the other hand, it just kind of like, it felt a little bit. Uh, no, I think it was a bit confusing in a way.
1: Yeah, I guess it kind of like pissed you off a bit.
0: I, w- I wouldn't <laughs> say like pissed me off. I would say it's uh it's confusing. Yeah. Uh, it's confusing in the sense that like, oh, uh, I sort of have it in my mind. It's like I have this like revolving door of like psychiatrist. Yes. So that's that's how I end up with like as of like 2018 until like as of like may of this year when the when the episode airs out it's like uh i think it would be around like four psychiatrists jeez that's a lot and yep having to kind of like change several times that
1: kind of deal <laughs> Um, you you told me you actually sent me this really interest this really interesting thing that one of your psychiatrists is it this your recent psychiatrist? No, this was the third one, your third psychiatrist. So we're after th- <laughs> this is the third one. Um, and they said, uh, your anxiety isn't just because of the chemical imbalance in your brain. The imbalance is not the one disabling you, but rather it's the external factors. That's very interesting. Mm. And you agree with that?
0: I really couldn't remember if that was the exact quote, but one thing that stood me out the most was when she said, Oh, it's the, yeah, sure. It's like your anxiety. On one hand, there's chemical imbalance involved, but the one that's kind of like disabling you, it's the external factors. I kind of like the way I see that, that statement is like, Oh, thank you for kind of like eloquently explaining that. Cause the thing with like my, my journey with like anxiety, it's, uh, from what I'm seeing, The one that sort of agitates it more, I guess, it's the, like, having to power through the whole dreadful force field of internalized stigma. Mm. And then you still have, like, the outside force field of, like, the societal stigma, Mm. as in, like, within your community. If you have, like, if you have having struggles with mental health. And then, like, if you're queer, you still have that extra layer of the whole, like, force field I have to break through. Mm. And do you...
1: Do you feel like you've got past that internalized stigma or do you think that it's still in there?
0: I think to some degree I managed to pass through, I guess, given the fact that, like, I finally realized that I I didn't have to feel afraid of going back to medication. Mm. Yeah, um, that was like a big, that was kind of like a huge milestone for me in a way. Because the thing is, like, when I started uni, I remember about, like, I... I was still able to kind of, like, attend classes and, like, get my work done on time. But when I was, like, going through all that stuff, it felt like everything needed, like, extra energy to do so. Mm. Even with, like, being involved in the queer collective or even, like, seeing people in the general, it just kind of felt completely draining. I actually felt, even with, like, interacting with my old high school friends, like, via text, it just felt draining in general. Mm-hmm. It felt like oh this does not spark joy in me anymore Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff until I raised this to like my social worker and also like my fourth psychiatrist about it and then that's where my psychiatrist popped the question so given the circumstances that you're going through at the moment are you still open to going back to medication and that's where it dawned on me I said yes (laughs) and from there
1: on how has your journey been Do you feel like you're getting to a point where you're feeling well within yourself again?
0: I would say it's like a very slow, it's like a very, very slow journey, I guess. Like in in a way, I find that like, I'm currently like on my second medication. So I've been like more than a month on it at the moment. And how are you finding it? To be honest, this one is actually way better than the first one. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, The main concern at the time was kind of, it it was like, Primarily headaches and also the whole drowsiness. Uh, yeah. It's but the worst. this one, it's like, oh, yep, I don't have to deal with that again. So I guess I had a few more questions.
1: Be- Sorry, I have a few more questions for you before we go. Yeah. Um, the first one was if you, if, if someone is coming to Australia and especially from Indonesia or anywhere international to study, um, and they do experience, um, they, they are living with a mental illness, what would you say would be your, best piece of advice for them in order to get to seek help and to get help
0: oh, oh gosh I really don't know how this kind it's of okay. like word out but uh, I would say it's like try to keep in mind that seeking professional help is not like uh you're not like a you're not a disgrace or even like it's not uh don't see it as something that's shameful in a way because the thing is like it's completely I guess like it's completely fine and to the audience that's listening here who may not be from, like, an international student background, uh, the thing that I really do want to point out, like, you know, for especially for, like, interna- international students like me, like, navigating through, like, mental illness, I think in a way it's, like, pretty frustrating given, like, the extra layers that we have to go through. As I've said before about the stigma from, like, our, like, community and then also some of that stigma gets internalized. And it's not really, it's not kind of like very easy, I suppose. Uh, I would describe it. I, I think I kind of like, if I were to put into an analogy, I would say, um, it's kind of like you're walking, but then at the same time, it's like you have this force field surrounding you, but you can't like just easily cut through there. You just need like, you need like extra effort to cut through that one. Mm. And then it's kind of like, oh, you finally break into, the, break from the internalized stigma one. And then you still have the societal stigma force field. Mm. Uh, it was, and I gotta be honest, like sometimes it just feels exhausting. It's almost like the force field has several layers, like a freaking onion. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, there's so many
1: layers. (laughs) And I guess, which uh, this is, this is something I, I just thought I'd ask. What are you looking forward to most in your future now that you are seeking help and you have, A good network around you. What would you like to see in your future?
0: I think perhaps. Okay, this is actually like a pretty funny story. I'm, I'm part of this like a group chat based in Indonesia where, it's from like a from an Instagram account that's dedicated posting about like feminist stuff. Yep. And in the in said group chat, we talk about a lot of issues, and we're including like about queer issues, and then also about like mental illness. I find that. Like, one of my hopes is that by the time this episode comes out, uh, I look forward to kind of, like, sharing this episode with them and tell them about, like, hey, uh, you're not alone in, like, trying to kind of, like, navigate mental illness. I mean, you know, as part of, like, I don't know, it's I really don't know how to describe it, but then again, uh, in a way, it's I try to think of it as, like, a way to start conversations about, like, mental health, and also, like, mental illness in general. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, like, goes to show how, like, even within, not just for me as, like, an international student, but even for people in Indonesia, especially within uh, like, the Indonesian community and the diaspora as a whole, Uh we still kind of, like, have a lot of work to do. Destigmatizing mental illness. If you're also kind of, like, navigating queerness as well, there's still, like, the extra layer of, like, you're not alone in this one because I... Then again, like with my journey of like mental illness and like queerness, I happen to be in like both of those cases. So uh, if they were to listen to this, I hope that, you know, they're they're not alone in this journey. And yeah.
1: Well, I think if anyone's going to break down that stigma, it's going to be you, I reckon. I think you're the person to do it. Kudos to you. Kudos to you. Thanks. Well, that's all we have time for, but thank you so much, Steve, for, for coming in on Monday and, and doing this with me. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk with
0: you. Thanks. Uh, I would say, Skype, kind of like it's a pleasure to be involved in this podcast. Aww. I'm glad. Okay. Bye, yeah. guys.
1: Hey, guys. How good was that? What a cutie. I told you. Very, very interesting, and I think it's a really good example of just how much privilege can kind of uh, be a part of how you access care, and I think it just goes to show exactly how lucky we are as well. I mean, yes, as I said um, in the introduction, we do have a lot of things to fix in our mental health system, but the fact that we have one that we can access quite freely is, is, is is something that we should be very thankful for. I have to let you guys know something. We are having a little bit of a break because I need to look after my mental health. No, I was always going to do this because this is season one. I thought we should have a little break, um, between now and the next six episodes. So, so you don't have to wait too long. I promise. It's about, um, a, f- a, f- a four week break. <laughs> Roughly. Um, and we'll be back before you know it. In the meantime, you can check us out on lots of different forms of social media. You can check the podcast out via Facebook. Just type in if you don't mind. You can go to Instagram. If you don't mind podcast, I'm there. I'm there all the time. Twitter. Again, I don't, I don't know if I should bother with Twitter. I have like two followers on there. Anyway, it's if you don't mind P and i've got a patreon now uh which is always linked in the instagram uh if you feel like contributing you can give either two dollars or five dollars or ten dollars depending on what you can afford Feel like supporting my art and of course you can always reach me always 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 reach me on if you don't mind at gmail.com now because we are going away for a little bit i thought why not give the people what they want a little bit of a teaser for episode seven so here it is. Uh, a little bit of background. His name is Andrew. He is hilarious. And we got very, very, very in depth into talking about men's mental health and all the different challenges that come with that. So I will leave you with a little bit of a teaser for that, interview. Guys, of course, as I usually say, please be safe, please be kind to yourself and others, and if you can, listen to someone else's story, because it might just change the way you think. See you later.
2: Because men want to be cool,
1: mm.
2: right? And and doing this is not cool. No. No, no, no. So, it's like wh- when you get together with the boys, and- you the know, boys. Oh, I love boys. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but you get together with them and, and look, I, I, I think it's progressed and I've been, I've started taking it too because I've got a lot of strong opinions about mental health. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I take it to them and I say to them and I go, look, look, I'm really struggling. We've had suicide in our group. Um, you know, I've had a few attempts and uh, we've had someone complete. If if that's mm. a way of saying it, yeah. but it, it, that's the thing is that sort of wakes everyone up a little bit, and and when you when someone like myself who, who's been through it can explain to them the reasons why this happens, then people are more open to it. Mm. And but traditionally the thing is is men are the ultimate maskers of their emotions; they have no idea how to get in touch with them. And therefore, you know, saying, why don't you want to talk about your emotions? That's going to make a man immediately uncomfortable because, first of all, I've done so well at hiding them that I don't know what they are. Yeah. And now you want to talk about them. So, yeah, that's sort of where you get to where you are.
1: Shit, that that is so that's such an articulate way of saying it.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all about <laughs> masking stuff. I feel
1: like I've never heard a man explain it so well before.
2: Oh, I've had a lot of time to think <laughs> about
1: it. <laughs> so, what was your childhood like? What was growing up in Goulburn? Is yeah, that correct? Yeah, yeah, what was yeah. that like for you?
2: Look. I'm not a big proponent of, uh, you know, where you come from sort of makes who you are or anything like that. I think it's a combination of being born and biology with your social circumstance and, Mm You know, growing up, uh, you know, if when you look at look at the outside, and I'm probably going to throw my sister and my brother under the bus, although I've done this personally, so that, that, it'll be no shock to them. <laughs> um, but sort of growing up was fine for me. I, I was popular. Um, I had girlfriends when I was 11 and 12. Oh, my know.
1: God, ladies, man. Yeah, oh,
2: man, I was killing it. <laughs> I, so I've never had a – that was the purplest patch I've ever had. <laughs> um, but, yeah, sort of we, we were going through that situation, and and at home, you know, my, my sister's six years old.